0: Welcome to a transforming word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on a Transforming Word.
1: He says, I now rejoice in my sufferings. And I just want to encourage you, maybe you're going through it, maybe you're having a difficult time. There's a number of reasons people struggle. Can you rejoice in your sufferings? We should be able to rejoice in all things, the Bible says as believers. But are you able to rejoice in your sufferings? It's important that we are able to say, God, no matter what, no matter what's going on, I'm able to rejoice. Even if I'm suffering, I rejoice in the suffering. I know there's purpose in my pain as a believer.
0: Do you realize that there's a purpose in your pain? Pastor Bill shares with you in today's message that suffering can yield a lot of good fruit. No one desires to suffer. However, if during these times of hardship, You can focus your attention on God. He can reveal some beautiful purposes to you. Pastor Bill explains that oftentimes, the very thing that has produced so much suffering is exactly what God will use for good to help someone else. Rejoice in every season, because God will turn it for His good and glory. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Colossians chapter 1, as he continues his message, progressing in Christ. So again...
1: It says that he presents us holy and blameless above reproach in his sight. Verse 20. Oh, I'm sorry. If you're a note taker, write down Jude. Jude is only one chapter. Jude verse 24. We just covered this the other night, but it goes awesome right here. Jude verse 24 says this. Now unto him, this is the the benediction of the book. Now unto him who was able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Jude says he's going to present us faultless one day. And this is all, this is what Jesus does. He'll be able to, he's the only one that's able to do that for us. So as we come back now to verse 23, this verse has stumbled many people. It says, if you continue in the faith grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul became a minister But that if is a big deal, right? It says if you continue. So what if you don't continue in the faith? If you don't continue in the faith, I'm going to make this very clear. This isn't teaching a works-based salvation. That's not what's happening here. This is what's being explained here, right? If you are genuinely born again, one of the things the scriptures teach is that if you're genuinely saved, it'll be evidence because you will continue with the Lord, right? Right? Um, Some call it the perseverance of the saints other things, but I I just want to simplify it. You can go all the way through scripture and you can see this. Those that are genuinely born again will continue with the Lord. What about those who were walking with the Lord and then they stopped walking with the Lord? What about those that once profess Christ and then they no longer profess Christ? Were they saved and then they lost their salvation? Were they saved and then they lost it? What What about those who, there are people right now on YouTube that are saying they, this guy was a pastor, but now he renounces Christianity, you know? Was that guy ever saved in the first place? What do you guys think? Was he ever saved? No, he wasn't saved, right? You You can't walk away. God says, look, not, Jesus said, none of those who you've given me are, are going to be plucked out of my hand, Right? That means if you are in God's hands, can you be plucked out? No, ain't nobody stronger than him. He said, nobody that's in my hands going to be plucked out. So if you got plucked out, you was never in. When somebody walks away from the Lord, I'm like that, that, that you were never really saved in the first place. If you just need a proof text for this, write down first John chapter two, verse 19. First John chapter two, verse 19 is an explicit Answer to the question of what about those who walked away that we thought were saved? they were looking, saved, they were talking, saved, but then they walked away. This is what John says. First John chapter two, verse 19. He says they went out from us, but they were not of us. They um, if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. John says, look, if you were really saved, you would have continued. The fact that you went out only proved that you were never really in, in the first place. So remember that, right? When it says here, if you continue, it's because all true believers will continue. If God has placed in every believer, the Holy Spirit, anybody here born again, got the Holy Spirit in you, you still struggle with your flesh. Amen. We're still imperfect, right? I know you guys are. I'd be seeing you on the freeway. (laughs) Give them the love hand. I see you guys out there, right? So People, we mess up. We're still, we're still in our flesh. We battle with these things. But you know what? Holy Spirit's on his job. You, you can't go. You can't be what you used to be. I can't do the stuff I used to would do. I know that there are times that things happen, and I'm like, man, it's the Holy Spirit's like just it just shuts, it, shuts me all the way down. And I'm like, well, people, lucky I'm born again these days. You know, like that's just you know, my flesh is like this. is How we fix that? And God's like, no, 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 no. Not who I used to be, right? Not able to do what I used to could do. Um, That's the Lord. We're not who we used to be. God, the Holy Spirit is, is working in us, not allowing us to just go off in the flesh. And then when you do mess up, right, you're going to feel some kind of way. There's going to be something on the inside saying, that's not how I wanted you to do. That's not how I wanted you to live. And so anybody that as a believer has messed up, right, there's a conviction of the Holy Spirit that sets in. And I've experienced that in my life, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Another evidence that I'm not who I used to be. I didn't used to feel bad about sin when I did it. Y'all know that? I mean, I, I didn't feel I never sinned. and was like, oh, man, I shouldn't have sinned. Uh uh-huh. When I wasn't saved, I did it. If I didn't pay a price, if I didn't get caught, if there was no price tag on it, it was it was fine. Um, then I get born again and I think a bad thought. And if God's like, no, that's 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 wrong. And I'm like, man, you, you you, inside me, you all in my thoughts, you know, like, yeah, yeah, we're, we're not who we used to be. And so, again, we will continue. It'll be this, the evidence that we belong in the first place, that we're going to continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast. We're not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, of which I, Paul became a minister. And Paul says, look, now we're kind of moving from B.C., all what God has done, we're moving forward to, to the response, right? Paul says, look, I was once alienated, I was once an enemy, all the things that you guys were. We looked at all the things God has done for us, how he reconciles us, how how through his blood our sins are forgiven, how he's able to present us to the Lord. And God, Paul says, look, now I became a minister. That word minister means servant. Paul says I, I became a servant of the Lord. And being a servant, every believer should be a minister. Every believer should be a servant. But our service will look different. Our service will be related to our gifts and our callings. And so for Paul, his service to the Lord looks different than, you know, someone else's service to the Lord. Paul was called to be an apostle. Paul was called to suffer for the Lord. The day that Paul got saved... If you guys remember Ananias, who God told to go pray for him, Ananias was like, Lord, maybe you don't know who he is. Like, Ananias is like, he didn't really want to go pray for Paul. He was like, Maybe you this this Lord, he's a bad dude. He's a really bad guy, you know. And God said, Look, I know who he is, I know what he's done, and I know what I'm getting ready to do in his life. He says, He is a chosen vessel of mine. God tells us to Ananias. He's going to preach the gospel before Jews, before Greeks, before, uh, before kings, before leaders. And I'm going to show him how much things he must suffer for my name. sake. God had Paul's whole life scoped out. The day he got saved, God said, I know exactly what I'm doing with Paul. You guys know that God knows you the same way? That God could look at your life and say, I, I, got, I got a whole script laid out for you. I, I know exactly what you're called to be, where you're called to go, what you're called to do. You know, we got to figure out. Some people are so busy trying to figure out step 5, 10, and 20, and God is like, if you just walk with me today, if you just walk in obedience, I I got a plan. And and as you walk in obedience to the plan today, you'll end up where I'm taking you. You'll get there, right? Sometimes, again, it takes faith to walk like that, right? In the natural, I would prefer if God said, Bill... This is my will for your life. I'm going to put it in a piece of paper. You can scope it out. You can know this year I'm going to be doing this next year. I'm going to be doing that. I would appreciate that. That's how I like things to go. I want order. I want to know what's coming. I want to, okay, that'd be cool. If I had a heads up, God's like, just walk with me. You'll walk with me today. You walk with me again tomorrow. I got it all figured out. If you'll just continue to walk with me. And so understand God might not give you all of that. God gives you what you need for today. What you want to make sure is that you're walking in obedience today because your obedience today will prepare you for what God is planning to do tomorrow. Your disobedience today will take you off track for what God would have done tomorrow, right? And so I'll throw this example out real quick. When I first got saved and I was starting to walk with the Lord, there were some immediate things that God was like, stop that. Stop that. Stop that. One of the things was I was living with a girl I wasn't married with. When I first got saved. So one of the first things God told me to do was to end that relationship. So I did, I, it was, I think day two of being saved, it was bad, but it was over and we moved out of a person out of an apartment. It was, uh, you know, all that happened day two of being saved two months later, guess who I meet? I'm just out there. I'm at LAX airport minding my business, just walking with the Lord, single fella as I am. And guess who I meet? I met her right now. If I had a delay for two months, I, I mean, wouldn't have been nothing happening. You know, you, you live with a, a woman skirt. You know, like it would have been no action. But you know, I look back and I think, man, if I had a delay two months, I, what would I be? Who would I be with right now? You know, I might be with somebody that's like, a, ah, you know, but it could be really bad for me right now. You know, I'm like, I got. We got to obey the Lord. That somebody need to know that. So. You hanging on to something that's not God's will, you might have your hands full of that, and God's like, I can't give you what I would give you. You keep what you got. So it's imperative that we obey Him <laughs> that we can get uh, <laughs> that we can get what He wants to give us. All right. So it's important now. We move from the BC life before Christ's era. We move into salvation and forgiveness and all that we receive in Christ. But but now we move from there into we progress into the place of serving the Lord. Everybody's called to serve the Lord. Everybody's got some gift, some talent, some ability, something to offer back to the Lord in service. And so now look at verse 24, Paul's service, again, unique, but it was his service to the Lord. Verse 24, he says, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. If I can remind you, Paul is where? where uh, he's in prison for preaching the gospel. Paul's like, I'm getting afflicted. I'm suffering for the church. But y'all understand that was part of Paul's calling. God said, when Ananias told him about Saul, he said, look, I'm going to show him how much things he's going to suffer for my namesake." But Paul's suffering. I want you to understand this. Paul's suffering was never in vain. Y'all hear that? If you're suffering in Christ, suffering for Christ, suffering because of Christ, suffering while walking with Christ, your suffering is not in vain. Sometimes God allows believers to suffer that they might be equipped uniquely to minister to other believers that will suffer in the same way. Sometimes God allows us to hurt in ways that we wish he wouldn't. We wish God would just, if we all had it our way, you would never hurt. You would never be uncomfortable. You would never be broke. You would never struggle. Nobody invites the struggle. Nobody wakes, I don't think, maybe some crazy people out there. But most of us don't wake up and say, Lord, just just make, make life rough on me so I can be strong, you know. Nobody prays that. When we pray, we'll say, God, give me strength. Make me strong. God's like, okay. Well, strength and strong comes through struggle. So we didn't know that when we prayed it, you know. Somebody prayed for patience. And then, and you got that you got that trial that you you're gonna grow in patience patience grows on you slowly and so in the Lord suffering is never in vain Paul would suffer for his faith in Christ Paul would spend many time go to jail Paul was beaten Paul was shipwrecked Paul had supposed Christians you know stab him in the back Paul's had his own Paul had his own countrymen do him dirty he went through it in all these different ways God allowed it all and. Paul doesn't complain or cry about his suffering. He knows that it's purposeful. One of my favorite verses from the apostle Paul comes out of Romans chapter eight, verse 18 In Romans eight, 18. Paul says, for I consider that the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Paul said this little suffering right now the stuff. I'm going, this don't even compare to the glory that's coming. Paul knew that there was going to be glory uh, for him as a believer. He said, this suffering doesn't compare with the glory that's going to be revealed in Christ Jesus. And so again, in verse 24, he says, I now rejoice in my sufferings. And I just want to encourage you, maybe you're going through it. Maybe you're having a difficult time. So, a number of reasons people struggle. Can you rejoice in your sufferings? We should be able to rejoice in all things, the Bible says as believers. But are you able to rejoice in your sufferings? it's important that we are able to say, God, no matter what, no matter what's going on, I'm able to rejoice. Even if I'm suffering, I rejoice in the suffering. I know there's purpose in my pain as a believer. Uh, I could go out I mean, a quick tangent. If you go through your Bible and look at people that suffered, it was never for nothing, right? When God let people suffer, God was doing a deep work. I think of queen Esther born with her parents were taken away from her as a little girl. You know, she's pretty no fault of her own she didn't get to be raised by her mom and her dad she's raised by an uncle character Mordecai who knows the Lord and God raises her up and he builds a unique kind of woman and she ends up being in the king's palace and and at 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 a critical moment in history right God uses that woman to save the entire Jewish nation right when somebody had to step up Mordecai told her how do you know that God didn't put you in the kingdom for such a time as this Esther said one of the most gangster things a female has said in the whole Bible. She said, if I perish, I perish. Look, she's like, okay, I I understand if I go before the king without request, I could die. But because I might save people alive, if I perish, I perish. I'm putting my life on the line, I'm putting my neck on the line to maybe save other people. I mean, I, I'm impressed. That impresses, I like that, right? This, this, but this, she had a rough beginning. But look at what the Lord did. She didn't suffer for nothing. God had purpose on her suffering. Joseph, one of the the lengthiest stories in the book of Genesis, and, you know, he was the favorite of his father, no fault of his own. All the older brothers hated his guts, no fault of his own. He got visions and dreams as a little guy from the Lord, no fault of his own. As little guys would do in excitement, he goes and tells his brothers and his dad, guess what? I had a dream, and God showed me, and all you guys were bound down to me. It was awesome. Right? And the brothers hate him even more for the dreams and the visions that he got. And they eventually throw him in a hole and sell him into slavery. No fault of his own. Now he's in another land, in a foreign place, but God is with him. He kept saying it all the way through his story. Everywhere he went, God was with him as a slave. God was with him as the best slave. In the jail, God was with him. In Potiphar's house, God was with him. Then the woman accused him of rape, even though he was he was walking in integrity and he ran from her. She grabbed at his clothes. Oh, nasty cougar woman that she was. And he ran away and, you know, innocent all the way in jail. And still the Lord was with him there. But he gets all the way to the end, second in command, visions and dreams, connected to the Lord. Brothers come back. They scared to death because they know he could get them. He can get them good now. And he says, he says look, it's, I'm, he said, don't be afraid, you guys. Like Genesis fifty twenty, You meant it for evil. You were, you, what you did was wrong. And your intent was wrong. But I'm not under you. I'm under God. God meant it for good to save many alive today. I'm not going to turn this into a day of bloodshed. I'm a, he put them up in houses. He put them in a good neighborhood. He, he set them up. He blessed them. Blessed the people that cursed them. My point is, people suffered difficulty. We can go on and on. But the suffering was never in vain. And I just want to encourage someone that may be suffering today. If you're suffering, but you're in the Lord, it won't be in vain. If you continue in the Lord, just continue looking to the Lord, trusting in the Lord and walking with the Lord in due time, God will make good on it. it won't be for nothing. There'll be fruit that comes about from your suffering in the Lord. And so moving on now back to Colossians, he says the end of verse 24, he says, what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ?" For the sake of his body, which is the church. He says that he's filling up in his flesh what is lacking in the affliction. So, here's the idea. Paul is not, you know, Paul's suffering for Christ. It doesn't have atoning value like Jesus suffered for our sins. When Paul says, look, I'm t- I'm suffering. I'm I'm also, you know, taking up the afflictions of Christ. It's, it's this idea. We're the body of Christ. And y'all know that what happens to you happens to Jesus. Proof text. When Paul was... When Paul was Saul, but he hadn't got saved yet, and he had been responsible for killing Christians, jailing Christians, and mistreating Christians, when Jesus met Paul, who was Saul, on the road uh, to Damascus, he says, hey, Saul, Saul, he said this, Jesus said this, why are you persecuting me? Saul was like, I I didn't do nothing to you. I'm messing with the church, but the church is him. The church is his body. If you're treating the church bad, you're treating Jesus bad. Flip that coin over, right? Because we got positive potential here. What if you're blessing the church, blessing the Lord, God? That's my body. When we come together and we love one another, right? As, as much as it may be, you know, meaningful to one another. God says, "Man, that's, that's I receive. That's you're loving me." When we bless each other, when we care for each other, as we do as Christians, when we take care of one another, when we bear one another's burdens. When we serve and bless God says yes 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 that's because it's his body we're all pieces and parts of his body this is why we can't be treating one another bad amen it's why we can't talk about each other bad treat one another bad because y'all even if even if you're uh you know everybody body you got body parts that are not maybe your favorite body parts right well Jesus body is made up of lots of folks right somebody I, I won't I won't do it don't 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 all right Thank you, Lord. I, I hold it back. So everybody, we, you know, the body is the body. We don't we don't get to pick who makes up the body of Christ. There may be some members and pieces and parts that are not our favorite pieces and parts, but they're still part of his body. And you can't treat them bad without treating the Lord bad. Amen. I'm going to leave that right there. I almost got in trouble. Lord, help me. All right. Verse, verse 25. He says, of which, speaking of the body of Christ again, Paul says, of which I became a minister so again, he says he's, he's a minister toward the body according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. So Paul had been given, though he was Jewish, Paul had been given the ministry to the Gentiles and God had called him to go to the Gentiles, called him to go serve there. And so Paul was given a ministry from God for people. I want you to consider this, that God has given every believer a ministry that's for the glory of God, but for the benefit of people. Every spiritual gift for you guys that went through discipleship with us, every spiritual gift has two purposes, except for the gift of tongues. Every spiritual gift has two functions, two purposes. Number one, to glorify God. Number two, to edify the church. Tongues is one of the the one gift that's for your personal edification alone. Unless it's given an in interpretation, then it can edify others and glorify God. But all the other gifts of the Holy spirit are given for the glory of God and the edification of the body that people would be edified. So two, I need to find a place of service among the body of Christ that is both glorifying God and edifying others. Every believer should find that place. It it may look different for everyone here, but we all want to find that place where it says, Hey, I'm, I am participating in the body of Christ in a way that both glorifies God and blesses those that are part of his church. Paul became a minister there was a stewardship that God had given him and ministry is a stewardship, right? If God calls you to do something, you want to be a good steward of that. God called you to preach the word. You want to be a good steward of that calling. You want to study. You want to prepare. You want to live holy so you don't disqualify yourself, right? If God's called you to some other place of service, you want to be a good steward of whatever God gave you. To do. Don't Don't treat it cheaply. Don't treat it lightly. Some people treat ministry very seriously and other people take it very lightly. Some people look at ministry as ask you know something they ah, may or may not you know you know but I I think that whatever God calls us to do we should do it with all of our might there should be a passion and integrity to to what we do we were talking about Anthony Pastor Anthony behind his back and that's, I can say it about it, I say it in his face too but I say it behind his back I I said this this guy serves the Lord faithfully I mean he serves here there's a, a number of things that he does behind the scenes in front of the scenes. But you wouldn't know that he weren't on full-time paid staff here the way that he serves. And he's just availing his gifts to the body of Christ. He got a whole nother work that he's doing, a whole nother thing that God has. But he's like, I, I feel called to this too, and I'm giving everything to it. Nothing held back. It's an example. It's, it's an example of this, how we want to serve the Lord. God, you get you get my best. If I'm volunteering or if I'm on staff, you're you getting, you getting my very best. When I was due youth ministry you would have people volunteer and serve and help out. And a lot of times they would raise up in our church from within people that come on the staff. And one of the attitudes was that you would never, you would never pay someone to do for the Lord what they wouldn't do for free. Right. If it wasn't your heart to do it over here, if you wouldn't, you wouldn't voluntarily do that for the Lord, why would I pay you to do it? Because God is not a job. Amen. And so it, these are just important things. So Paul says, look, I'm, I am a minister. There's a stewardship. So what God has called me to do verse 26, he says the mystery, which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but has now been revealed to the saints. Understand that the old Testament saints, they didn't understand fully what God was going to do in Jesus Christ. They had a glimpse, they had faith in, in
0: what was before them, but much of it was a mystery. You've just heard A Transforming Word, brought to you by Pastor Bill Buffington. Do you wish sometimes that it wasn't so hard to do what needed to be done, especially with a good attitude? I sure do. The Apostle Paul was a great example of this. As we see in this verse he included in his letter to the church in Colossae, listen to Colossians 3.17, and whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So often we forget it's Jesus who has given us a redeemed life, a life that's been forgiven of our sins. If we believe this to be true, then everything we do should be like sending a thank you card to Jesus. We may not always do a great job, but it's a good reminder. Friends, what we say and what we do matters. Not only that, but how it's done is important. Do you like the message that you just heard? Great. We're so glad. You'll find more solid teachings like this one from Pastor Bill Buffington at calvaryinglewood.org. Will you prayerfully consider spreading the good news with us? If so, locate the Give tab on our site. Don't forget, that's calvaryinglewood.org. This ministry is a product of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. We're located in Inglewood, California. So if you have extra time and are close, We would be overjoyed for you to attend one of our services, Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Or if there's a scheduling conflict, come Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We hope that we've ministered to your heart and you feel a little more loved. We look forward to our next time together on A Transforming Word.